0: Welcome to Stuff We Love Podcast.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Stuff We Love Podcast. I'm Scott, and I'm happy to be joined tonight by my co-host, Joe. Joe, how are you?
2: I'm doing well. How's everybody doing?
1: Doing well, doing well. Awesome. And given the topic of tonight's episode, it's not surprising that we are welcoming back to the show returning guest, Alex. Alex, how are you this evening?
0: I am doing well. Thanks. How are you guys?
1: Great.
2: That's great. Great to have you.
0: Thanks so, for we, having me. Before always, we get to I the main
1: it. topic, let me ask you this. Have you started listening to Christmas music?
2: I have, yes.
0: Me too. I just added a, an indie Christmas playlist to my Spotify. So
1: Nice. Is that the one with the record player as the picture?
0: I think it is. Is it Spot, Spotify curated? Spotify. Yep. Yes. Yep.
1: I saw that playlist. I have to listen to it. It's great. I on Spotify.
2: I but it all the way I might get it just for that. <laughs> just for the playlist.
0: I just so, recently downloaded Apple Music again.
1: Oh, spatial audio.
0: Oh, well, that's exactly that's exactly it.
1: And do you notice a difference when you listen on good Apple headphones?
0: I do. Um, you know what's interesting though? I did the customizable like spatial audio, and now every time I turn my head in my AirPods, it changes. You know how it is. Like I turn it changes... that feature
1: off. I I, try, I I think I turn that off. I I don't like that feature.
0: Yeah, today was the first day I used it. I need to turn it back. Turn it back off.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. I find it distracting. I find it. It takes me away from the music.
0: Totally. Because then I end up just playing. I'm like, what happens? If right. I turn what happens this if I turn my head this
1: way or that way? <laughs> yeah. If I move my head this way, will Joe come out of my left ear? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you should be. And so then lucky. it'll be.
0: It'll be Scott in my right ear. Joe in the left. All right, so
1: tonight on the podcast, this is a long-awaited episode. We are going to be talking about the hottest album in the world right now, and that is Midnights by Taylor Swift. It's always a thrill to be able to talk to you both about a new Taylor Swift album. This is when we're at our best. This is like when we shine. You know, this is... uh, So before we get to the album, I just wanted to give our listeners a very brief summary of what led to Midnights, because they may not be as big Swift fans as we are. Uh, you may recall that during the pandemic, she released two albums. One was Folklore, one was Evermore. Both were recorded with Aaron Desner from The National, and I believe Jack Antonoff worked with them on both albums. They were very much what would be referred to as dad rock. A lot of adult men, some that I know personally, got into Taylor Swift's music through those albums, got some play on alt-rock radio stations. It's They were fantastic albums. Folklore won the album of the year for the, at the Grammys. And then in September of this year, while at the MTV Video Music Awards, Taylor was accepting an award and announced her new album, Midnights, which would be released on October 21st. And she released a statement basically saying that the album was made up of 13 tracks, and the tracks represented sleepless nights throughout her life. And each song was like a particular night. Is that correct about that?
2: Right. 13 separate nights throughout her life that she, you know, had- give guy an inspiration from
1: right and then uh, there was all there were all these hints leading up to the big release of oh there's going to be this special thing and this special thing and surprise announcements the biggest surprise announcement was that after midnights became available at 3am that night the 3am version became available which included i think it's like seven bonus tracks that were recorded during the midnight sessions but didn't make the final album and uh, tonight we're just going to be having a conversation about Midnights, what we think about it, what our favorite songs are, what our least favorite songs are, and all that stuff. So join us, uh, listeners, for a fun dive into Midnights. And Alex, we'll go ladies first tonight. I, I would like you to uh, begin by telling our listeners your overall summary of the album, overall thoughts on the album. Do you like it? Do you love it? Where you, Where do you stand?
0: Okay. I love it. I, I think out of the last three released including this one of course so evermore and folklore it's my favorite i think it's more real life as opposed to fictional i think like evermore and folklore um I you know they tell they all tell similar stories but this one just seems so real and raw and from the heart and i think for a 10th studio album like just imagine the amount of consistency and talent and dedication it takes to make a record like this um i think the way that she intertwines like the all of her past records not just evermore and folklore and all the different stories i think the way that she intertwines every single thing she's ever released into this one record is brilliant and that's really those are i I need to save more for for the rest of the podcast sure. but those are my general thoughts
1: honestly that's fantastic commentary right there it
2: really is that was great i hope <laughs> no no
1: absolutely
0: i'm talking to the two biggest swifties over here so i need to <laughs> i need to out my game
1: you're talking to the biggest harry styles fan right here <laughs> yeah the only harry styles fan <laughs> so uh joe uh same question for you
2: good question honestly i love the album um i think it's Fantastic. All 20 tracks, including the the seven for the three AM version, I really like. Um you know, I Sky, you and I had talked about this a lot before the album came out, and there was so much buildup to it. We were almost worried that it wasn't going to live up to the build up and what, you know, what would it sound like? Would it be any good? Am I gonna be disappointed? And I I mean, as soon as I heard the album, uh, I was not disappointed, I thought it was great, and it's only grown on me since. Um, so I, I just, I think it's fantastic.
1: It is great. I agree with both of you. It's an album that lived up to the hype. I was definitely nervous before it came out because we've been so pleased with literally every single Taylor album. I, th- I, I think you both have, right? Is there an album you're not a fan of that you could say you dislike that Taylor has released?
0: No, not really. Yeah. Even so her that- debut album
2: has good tracks on it.
1: Yeah. So that puts a lot of pressure on each new release. But this lived up to the hype. And the crazy thing is here, unlike any previous album, except for Folklore and Evermore, which were, at least in the case of Folklore, a surprise album. I don't remember. if Was Evermore a surprise? I don't remember.
2: I thought Evermore was think... more of a surprise than Folklore.
0: Yeah, I think both of them were a surprise. Yeah. But I could be totally wrong.
1: So now these al- this album, Midnight's, was not a surprise, but not a single note was released before the album came out. Taylor unveiled the song titles through a TikTok series she was taking part in. And um, it was listed in the pop category on Apple music before it's official release, but we didn't know what the sound would be like. And then all I know is that at midnight on October 21st, I put on my headphones, hit play on lavender haze and was like, Oh, this is fantastic. This is exactly the vibe that I would want from this album.
2: Um joe you were going to say something I, I was just going to say it's almost like a continuation of the two the albums before evermore and folklore came out you know before that she it, it was uh 1989 reputation and lover and if you listen to those three albums and this it's it's almost like a continuation of that so the sound everything about that is like a mish a mishmash of of those three albums mm-hmm. at least for the first 13 tracks and i see why she put out the 3 a.m. Edition separately because those sound a lot more like folklore and Evermore tracks to me. Yeah. So I think that's why they were separated out and and done separately. But they all work together. All I mean, you can listen to and I have probably about more than any other normal person, especially my age, listen to track one through twenty straight through over and over, and it really it, everything flows. It's a it's a great album. I mean, it's it's like a perfect album.
1: Now, Joe, I want to ask you a question right there of something you said. You said especially for someone my age, and we're basically the same age. You are the oldest member of the panel (laughs) tonight, but anyhow, um, do you think that there's a greater number of adult men than ever before listening to Taylor's music? Because Taylor is 32, right? Is that how old she is? She's 32, yeah. Which is, for a pop star, much older than your average pop star. You know, that's, I think she may be, one of the only pop stars that age. But I feel like a lot of men started listening to her with folklore and they've stayed with it and they like Midnight's like they understand now they're Swifties, even though we're the, uh, we're the I agree with you.
2: Yeah. I think that's true. I think, I, I don't know if I would call Evermore and folklore dad rock like you did, but it's definitely more of an alternative rock sound. And especially with the producers like Aaron Dessner and, and, you know, Jack Antonoff and everything, it, it leans more towards an alternative rock, which, you know, older men, older being relative, We've listened to. And uh, I I do think there's a lot more fans now of all all kinds based Mm -hmm. on those two albums, you know, and and the songs that were on there now moving into this.
1: Right. I agree. Alex, what are your thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, I agree. I think Evermore and Folklore, like I would categorize them as indie rock. Mm. And I feel like you can really branch out with that genre. And that's where she definitely captured the older, for lack of a better, word audience
1: now i want to talk about specific tracks from the album but i like i said i earlier i don't i don't have any order i want to go in here so i just like to sort of go around one at a time here and choose a track that is a highlight and tell us why so alex we'll start with you what is one of your highlight tracks from midnight
0: that is a great question so in my notes here i wrote like, okay, final answer. This is my absolute favorite. Okay. Um, I I think
1: I'm so on the edge of my seat right now. Me too. I
0: would say I would say question is my favorite. <laughs> yes, that's a great was, track. Did you was that what you were gonna- yes, that's, what okay. that's my song of the I, moment.
1: That's my song of the moment.
0: Yes. Okay, <laughs> perfect. I never want to disappoint. Um no, I just think it's so obviously it's lyrically brilliant, but it's so open-ended and it's so real and it's raw, and it's like about closure. And you have this song that's like super open-ended, but about closure. So it kind of just like contradicts itself. I don't know. It's just really edgy. And I I love the energy that she brings in it. I think Mm -hmm. it's it's not necessarily super different from like her other edgy tracks, but it just sticks out to me. There's something about it.
1: Um, I'm bringing up the lyrics on my screen because there's one part of the song that I love. I don't know. Let me guys, see if
0: it's the same one as I wrote down. But I want to hear what you say first.
1: It's the part of the song where she, Well, there's actually a lot of that. The song I love, but I was thinking where she goes, half moon eyes, bad surprise. You know that.
0: Yeah. Middle part. Yep.
1: I just love the tone of her, the intonation of her voice, and yes. that is spectacular. I, I, I have a feeling the part you thought I was going to say was where she goes, oh. <laughs> Uh, like, is that the sing part it, Scott. <laughs> well, that I, I, I forget the exact words now, but I would sing it. You know, I sing on this podcast. <laughs> um, it's true right now. But it's such a great song. It's so
2: fantastic,
1: Joe. What do you think of Question? I love,
2: I love Question. It, you know, we've uh, we've discussed that before, but I, I really think it's a great, great song. I, I love the uh, melody, the way she goes into the questions. It's great. It's awesome.
1: And from a songwriting perspective, it's. She's asking these questions and the O's that she says are her response to the answers. That that, and at least that's the way I interpret it from all the TikToks I've watched of people singing along <laughs> to the song. And it's just like a the way she wraps up this full conversation where it features both the questions and responses to the answers, where you don't even know what the answers the other person has said are. But yet she responds right. to it. It's pretty fantastic. That's like the
0: open-endedness of it. That's what right. I love about it. Yes. Like it leaves it up for interpretation. So you can kind of just think about what the other person would respond.
1: It's a great song. You know, one of the, um, there's a TikToker that I started following. He's And look, he's older than you and I, Joe. He's a uh, (laughs) musician and he does all these videos of pointing out song analyses and what makes songs great. And he's done it on a few tracks on Midnight's Question wasn't one of those songs. I, I think Maroon was and one other. But to me, Question could be, because it's really sophisticated songwriting, in my opinion. So, Alex, great choice to start off this uh, this part of the discussion here. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Joe, what's a highlight track for you?
2: Uh, aside from Question, which I also agree is a, a great song and a highlight for me, um, this is a really tough tough thing to say, because I really like every song, but I'm going to say Bejeweled. Bejeweled yes, right that now. that was my second choice. Nice. I think that's probably... It's hard to say, but like from, from Midnight Rain through Bejeweled is like a great four track, four song uh group. Um, but Bejeweled I really like. I think I think it's just fun when she sings nice and everything. It's just fun. I like it. I think it's a great song. And then it gets stuck in my head constantly. <laughs> Alex, you're yeah, very part happy where she when Joe says, mentioned that. Go ahead.
0: Yes. No, the part where she says, um, still make the whole room yes, like shimmer. Constantly. Like and she got like her voice. I <laughs> love that.
2: That, now that's going to be in my head for days.
1: Something else I like about Bejeweled from like a great lyric. One of my favorite lyrics on the album, on paper is so simple. But what I love about Taylor's songwriting is that she can take a simple lyric and yet it means so much. There's a line in Bejeweled where she goes, and by the way, I'm going out tonight, right? Yes. And it's such a no. great line. It's like a very sassy line, very confident line. And then it's, it's just so, so, so great very simple
2: yeah I, th- I i mean i i take it as her telling the guy that she's with that you know you're not gonna i'm just going out tonight i'm doing what i want and right. that, that's how i take it And the way that she just bursts into a room and st- can still sparkle everybody even though this relationship is going on so it's it's a great song
1: bejeweled is awesome now i want to ask alex a question okay alex what song do you like more bejeweled or karma
0: Oh, definitely Bejeweled.
1: Oh, okay. Interesting.
0: I, I do like I do like Karma. Um, especially when she says I think I wrote it down. Yeah, me and Karma vibe like that. Yes. I just think <laughs> it's such a good line. Um, very relatable, of course. It's just a feel-good track. Karma's a feel-good track to me. Um, mm-hmm. I love it. I think it's lyrically great, but I, I am gonna stick with Bejeweled.
2: Karma's a fun song. Like I could totally picture her playing that as the last song of the concert where the confetti comes down and everything because yes. it's just so upbeat. I I think Bejeweled is a better song, though. But I love Karma.
1: Agreed. Are both Be- – well, obviously, Bejeweled is in the top half of the album. Would you put Karma in the top half of the album for you both?
2: Well, Bejeweled is in – Yeah, you mean like top like five or six songs yeah. of the album?
0: Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, i don't know i don't
2: think so I, I i mean yeah i don't know i don't think so now are you ready for my Maybe first it would song be number song?
0: six <laughs> yes yes <laughs> we need we need to hear it
1: so it was actually a song i mentioned earlier in our podcast tonight which is lavender haze i love 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 that song years ago i've talked about this before on the podcast when i first heard the opening nights uh, opening notes of style i was in awe couldn't believe what i was hearing I didn't get that same reaction to Lavender Haze, but I got like a a diet version of that reaction. You know what I mean? Like a light version of that reaction. Because the way I described it, I may have told you this, Joe, at the time. To me, that song is like driving in Miami at night. It's got a total vibe to it. And I just picture in my mind, I don't know why, like neon lights, it's nighttime, bass going. It's got a R&B electric type sound. And I love it. I think it's a very. Um, I love the melody. I love the lyrics. I love the way she sounds on the track. And it was interestingly co-written with Zoe Kravitz, the actress, which I thought was pretty impressive.
2: Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah.
1: So that is one of my favorites. What do you guys think of Lavender Haze?
2: I think it's a great song. I mean, it's the first song on the album. It's when you first put the album on, it's what you hear. And uh, I, I agree with you. You know, we've like you said, we talked about this. It does sound like you're in Miami, right? In, at night, if you have a convertible, the top's down or the sunroof's open, it's hot. It's it's just it's like that kind of song where you're in the moment, and it's like that neon everywhere, oh, very nineteen eighty nine ish.
1: Yes, I agree. It could have easily gone on nineteen eighty nine. Um, yeah, Alex, I agree. how about you?
0: Completely agree. It was actually my first favorite track, <laughs> okay. and until I changed to question, <laughs> and then bejeweled. No. No, um, <laughs> no, I I really like it. I think. I, I agree with you, Scott. I love the melody. Um, it definitely reminds me of like one of those moments where I want to unplug, like you guys are saying Miami, right. And that's the vibe, but I associated with like driving through times square at night and yeah. same kind of at, like feeling as you. Um, mm-hmm. But I find myself just like unplugging from social media and all that in those moments. So it just reminded me of that when I first listened, but
1: I like that. That's um, great.
0: Yeah. I think it's a great track. Speaking nice. of
1: great tracks, Alex, what is next on your list?
0: Oh, God. Oh, this is so hard. I think this is an unpopular opinion, Okay, but I'm going to say anti-hero.
1: Okay. Why, why do you think That's it's unpopular? It's not unpopular at all.
0: I, I just think musically and lyrically, it works so well together. I think the opening line is awesome, where she says, "Like I have this thing where I get older but never wiser. And I think that just wraps up everything she's trying to say. Yes, In this entire record, in one line. Like, I like. I just think, like, her telling this story about, like, getting older and not wiser, and then, like, all of a sudden at the end of the record, or I guess toward the end of the record, um, we get to, like, the point where she's like, no, it's me, and I'm going to do what I want, and I, I like my vibe now, and I'm edgy now. Um, I don't know. I just, I like it.
1: No, it's a great song. It's a great Uh, song. If that made any sense. What's that? (laughs) That
0: was my interpretation. I said, if any of that made any sense. It definitely makes
1: sense. And you know what? One of my favorite lyrics is from the whole album is when she sings an anti-hero, my midnights become my afternoons, which is such a great Mm -hmm. lyric.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I actually, I I think that's an amazing song. I love it. It's, I, I know it's number one in the country right now and, you know, it's just what everybody's singing and everything, but, just the lyrics that she put in there it's almost like a very autobiographical where she's like acknowledging that she has some issues just like everybody else and mm-hmm. he's the, you know it's me i'm the problem and just it's a great line yeah i mean it's not just that but even in the video she's you know she shows all the issues that she has her own problems it's like what's going on in her own head and a lot of people relate to that i think it's a great song the lyrics are awesome
1: I was so excited because earlier tonight for the first time I got to use that phrase in a, a meme when my friend Paul who's been on the, sh- the podcast a lot sent me and Dean and Nick of you know they're on the podcast so much a tweet where somebody complained that they were listening to a podcast and 40 minutes in the host said okay let's just dive right in now. <laughs> after 40 minutes of the, you know so then I responded back I'm like did they listen to stuffylo podcast and then I did a gif of Taylor from the video it's me. Hi, I'm the problem. It's me. I was like,
2: yes. I think I was using that uh, immediately.
1: That sums it's up so much for that my one, life. one line.
2: Yeah, it's perfect for my life.
1: Um, Same. It's it's definitely applicable for ev- for all of
0: us. For everyone. For all of us. <laughs>
1: um, no, I do like anti-hero, and it's grown on me. It's got a real 80s vibe to it. To, at least that's what I hear. Um, real tears for fears drumbeat. Does that make any sense?
0: yes i yeah. can see that totally
1: joe what is your next favorite track
2: um well aside from antihero which i was going to say uh i i did not here's the thing i did not like this song when i first heard the album but it has grown on me so much that it's like what i listen to constantly which is midnight rain um wow i really i really like it great track it's just, you know i maybe i didn't like the uh, voice effects she had in the beginning or something like that i don't know but once, once you keep listening to it, I really—it's just a great song, you know. Getting out of town and changing your life, and it—it's just how you know. I don't know. I just really like it.
0: I think oh, it's like the positive aftermath. Oh, sorry, Scott. No, I no, please, please well. go ahead. I I think it's like the positive aspect, like that comes after you're on your own kit. Yeah, that was my interpretation of Midnight Rain. I I really like it. I agree.
2: By the way, we're only talking on for the first the, the actual tr- album, right? Not the uh, 3 a.m. tracks because for the next I would-
1: round I will list. officially open it up to the 3 a.m. tracks.
2: <laughs> <laughs> for the Q&A, <laughs>
1: I have a feeling I know what Song Joe is going to choose in the next round. I'm not I'm I'm not going to mention that because I want to hear uh Joe's analysis on it. Sure. But um no, Midnight Range is a great song like you Joe. I did not like it at first. I really was turned off by the opening sound which yep. someone posted a video where they played the vinyl at 45 speed and it seemed like the opening notes were sung by, or the words were sung by Taylor.
2: 100%. Yeah. I've seen it. I've seen that. And it's, it is 100% Taylor. I, I knew that though. You could tell there was an effect on her voice.
1: Right.
0: Yeah. Like only a few seconds in it, it took me like a few seconds to recognize that it was her. Cause I'm not a huge fan of those sound effects. Typically. Yeah.
1: But I'm going to, I'm gonna remember this because I have a topic I want to bring up before we're we're done recording tonight. I'm gonna to remember this comment because I want to. I'm gonna ask a larger, generic question, but I'll I'll get back to that later on. Um, that sounds weird. You'll see how it all comes together. <laughs> but um, <laughs> um, let me mention one other song. What can I say? Is a top song from the album. Um, vigilante s-word. <laughs> That's what I great call song. it. Yeah. Because yeah. Um, great song. It's not, It's the title is the real S word, but I don't think we have an explicit rating on the Apple podcasts. Uh, anyhow, uh, I like it. I'm going to tell you why. I think of a horror movie when I hear that song, the way she sings, I'm not just for, I don't just for women. I don't just for men. Lately I've been dressing for revenge. It's kind of like this scary sadistic type song. And I love the vibe of it. I love the instrumentation. It's very basic it's not a pure electric track, but it's also not a pure rock track. I really want to know how they created the instrumentation on that song. And um, I think it's cool. I think it's a cool track.
2: I agree. I mean, it's it's like it could have been track seven on Reputation or something. Like, yes. It's it's I that kind of say. song. And uh, it sounds great coming out of like a great stereo, with big bass and, and everything. The bass and, is good. Yeah, it, you know it's it's awesome. It's a great song, Scott. Good choice, Alex. Thank you, Alex. Do you like it? Of
0: course. I, it also reminds me of "No Body, No Crime." I don't know if you guys oh, got. I've heard that. I've heard, that. I've heard I, other I, people make
2: that comparison.
0: I, immediately, I was like, "Oh my god!" It's yeah, and and I love where she says, "Don't get sad, get even." Yeah, I think that's just super. Like, it's like a punch in the face. <laughs> You're so, like, all right,
1: Alex. That was an amazing. Link you just made. I'm going to take it one step further. Are you ready? I'm ready. Is it the third in the trilogy beginning with Better Than Revenge?
0: Oh my god, (laughs) that's 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 a deep thought, Scott. It
2: just just Alex's mind get blown right there.
1: (laughs) It's interesting. She does these revenge songs very well, and Vigilante S Word is definitely she
0: does. It definitely is. I I read something interesting about the whole like black dress thing and princess Diana. Did you read about that?
1: I didn't see I that. I know that there are people posting on social media images of princess Diana and her famous black dress that I guess she wore right after the divorce or as the divorce was ongoing. Right.
0: Cause it's yeah, like, like, what did that you see? Picture of princess Diana was like famous for, I mean, it was like her revenge dress. Nobody ever called it that obviously in the Royal family, but um I think it was just something that like the media and, you know, people like us may have heard that, (laughs) but I, uh, I read some connection and I, I did see one, one or two TikToks about this. Um, I was just wanted your thoughts on that, Scott. We love to talk about the Royals. About,
1: well, of course, about whether it was inspired, whether Taylor was inspired by that dress. Yeah. I could see it. I, I think that, um, whether or not she was inspired by it, it fits in perfectly with the narrative. Totally. Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know if we'll ever get an answer to that, but it fits. It fits. If I had to guess, would I would. Cool. Actually, I would say no. I would say she was not consciously thinking about it. But now TikTok has made us <laughs> accept that. TikTok
0: just made it a thing.
1: That's right. Because everything on TikTok is true. <laughs> so, you know that's, <laughs> yeah, that's of cool. course. Um, of course Alex what's your next song we'll do one more song that we like and then we'll get to some other stuff
0: all right mine oh my god okay one more is really hard so I'll I'll give you one and then like a possible second one okay my next favorite would be you're on your own kid okay but I also really really like snow on the beach
1: that was going to be mine but I want to hear you speak about both so please
0: um I just think we've been fo- like, I mean, as you know, we've been following her stories through so many records. And I just think like, you're on your own kid again, kind of without like wrapping up the entire album, obviously, cause it's not the end. I just think that it, it like brings her story all together and she's, she kind of has like telling everyone that her life isn't a fairy tale and like this life that she lives isn't as amazing as it's maybe portrayed as Um, and I just think you never really hear a lot of artists do that I think it's kind of bold and and brave of her Um, I don't know I just respect the honesty in it and I just think she sounds amazing on it I think her voice is it's just a beautiful track to me
1: before you talk about snow on the beats, I just want to say that I love that analysis that's really brilliant and to me the song you're on your own kid fits in with some of those other very intimate Taylor songs, like Never Grow Up. Um,
0: I love that song. Even
1: something like Last Kiss, which is not as intimate. There's more instrumentation on the track, but she's so talented at those intimate one-on-one type songs. It's it's beautiful.
0: Yeah. And I, I think that's honestly why I like Snow on the Beach so much too. Just the melody, everything about it, the violin, the synth, everything. It's so good.
1: Joe, do you remember what you said to me in advance of the album about what you had been hearing on Reddit about Snow on the Beach?
2: No, I don't remember that. You Tell
1: told me that you had read that people said it was a Christmas-type song. Oh, yeah. I, I could see that. I, I see it, too. The opening instruments, I don't know what that is. Maybe it's like plucking
2: strings on a violin. I don't even yeah, know. Yeah, that's, that's what it is. Yeah. And then you're talking about snow. Or guitar. And, right. I guitar. Yeah. I could definitely see the Christmas. Uh, totally. And I picture snow
1: falling. Like, that's kind of yeah. what I – um also you know a lot of people were excited cuz Lana Del Rey is on the track. Alex, are you a Lana Del Rey fan?
0: I mean I guess. I don't have any like particular feelings toward Lana Del Rey. I did see her once. Did you really? Live. Yeah, and it was too slow or something for me. I think we're honest. all on
1: the same page about Lana Del Rey, but people love yeah. her and they were very excited for it and they complained that she wasn't prominent on the track. But if you go back and you listen to the track she is somewhat prominent in the background vocals. I think the complaint was that she totally. didn't
2: have a verse on the track. But that right. is – I don't know why anyone I don't think she could. that she would. Right. That is not what yeah. Taylor does, first of all. And yeah. even if she did, it, it wouldn't vibe with the song, in my opinion. I think the background vocals were the right way to go.
0: Agreed. Yes. It's funny that you said that, Joe, because when I first looked at the album like – I went through the track list, of course, after it was released. Um, and before I got to this track, I was like, oh, I wonder – how Lana Del Rey is going to be incorporated into this one because Taylor doesn't really do like a feature where she would have, you know, she would sing the chorus or something. Um, But I think it's, I think it's perfect.
2: I mean, she's only done that a few times, maybe on bad blood or something with the remix, but even that, like, I I just don't, I didn't expect Lana Del Rey to actually have
1: Mm -hmm.
2: a feature Mm -hmm. verse. I expected exactly what we got, which was, it worked out perfectly in my opinion. Joe, what's your track? Well, for going Midnight version, you know, 3 a.m. Um, yes. I'm going to, the next track I'm going to pick is, it, it's not just the, in my opinion, the best song of the album. It's one of her top 10 songs ever made, which is Would Have, Could Have, Should Have. I honestly Love think it. it's like the perfect Taylor Swift song.
1: Tell um, us why. The,
2: the lyrics, you know, about a young girl and, and what was done to her, even putting aside anything about, you know, if it's true, who is about, anything like that. You don't even need to get into it. Um you know, how she felt after, you know, her first relationship and what happened with that. And then the buildup of the music as it goes throughout the song, you know, to the very end where she's basically yelling about what happened. It's just like the that is a Taylor Swift song to me. It really it's perfect. I think it's just like an excellent song.
1: Alex, what do you uh, think of would have, could have, should have?
0: I I don't even know if I can give a full opinion because I've only listened once or twice. Um, but I like it. I don't. I need to give it another listen.
1: It to me is this combination of a '90s rock sound with the current alt rock sound. Does that make any sense, Joe?
2: Yeah, and I mean it was produced by Aaron Dessner. That the two of them wrote it together. Right. It was just it's just the two of them. It's you know that's exactly what it sounds like but it's also a continuation of something that might be on speak now right because of what it's about who you know and and just the way the the music builds up it's almost like I uh, i don't want to say enchanted because nothing's going to ever top that for me but it's almost like that kind of build up where it starts off a little you know slow and then gets gets really intense
1: enchanted is such a great song i cannot wait for speak now taylor's version <laughs>
2: um my all-time favorite taylor song that's
0: going to be so good
1: Speaking it's going to be exciting Taylor's that's going to be could be coming out sooner than we think
0: but
2: i'm hoping december we'll see
1: but the um I yeah i love the phrase would have could have should have and the way she incorporates that into the song is great and it's got this pulsating rhythm that's just not your traditional rock type song so i i love it i think that it is rob sheffield our favorite music journalist from rolling stone said it may be the best thing on the regular midnight to 3 a m version And I agree with that. I mean, it's it's fantastic. I don't think it would have fit in on the regular midnights. I think it would have stood out in an odd way, perhaps, but as a deep cut to me, that's this album's new romantics, right? Like the bonus song that not everybody knows until it's. But I love it. Great choice, Joe. Now, what am I going to choose for my other my last song? Because I could. I'm not going to. I I think Karma would be a great choice, but we talked about Karma. I do love it, but. Um, I'm playing the album in my head
0: What about Labyrinth? What are your thoughts on Labyrinth?
1: I like Labyrinth It's not going to get this honor <laughs> I,
0: I, I agree. agree I totally agree
1: But I like it um, It's not bad Okay Honestly I, I The songs we've talked about Are my top songs on the album But I'm going to give an honorary mention To Sweet Nothing which she wrote with William Bowery, who is really Joe Alwyn, her boyfriend. And it's just, a, I, look, this goes back to my Beatles days. Not when I was in the Beatles, <laughs> which is, I've been listening to the Beatles a long time. Um, you know, I like simple, straightforward. goes back
0: straight-forward, to my
1: touring days. That's <laughs> right. Like I like simple, straightforward love songs, play it on a guitar and sweet nothing is that. And it's kind of, you know, Midnight's is a heavy album, not in a, not from a sound perspective, but from the topics it discusses and the lyrics and I think when it gets to sweet nothing which is towards the end of the album the regular version anyway it kind of just slows down the pace and it's like taking a deep breath from the emotions that are discussed earlier on in the album and then you get karma which is all you know brings them all back but I I do like sweet nothing
0: I agree I think it's like she's she's kind of taking a deep breath and like if she's taking a deep breath like we're all taking a deep breath Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's just plain and simple. I think it's
1: a beautiful
2: song. Joe, I think that's a good pick. It's a it's a really nice song. Um, it's placed perfectly in the in the album near the end. You know, right before Mastermind. Uh, I think it's great. Nice, nice one.
1: Are all of us? What are your thoughts on Maroon? Because people love Maroon, and I I like Maroon. I think I could respect it being a great song, but it's not one
2: of my top. i my first, surprised you guys didn't album. say it. When I first listened through the album, that was my favorite song. Like when I first listened through, I was like, "Maroon's the best song on the album." Now that I've listened a lot, I still like it, but I think some of the other ones have grown on me even more.
0: Agreed.
1: Joe and Alex, rating this album on a scale of one to ten, what do you give it? Do you give it a ten? Is it a (sighs) ten?
0: That's really hard.
1: That is really hard. I don't think there's an answer to it. Good. Good.
0: Okay, no, I, I I never want you guys to be mad at me. <laughs> but I, I think I would give it an eight or an mm-hmm. eight point five.
1: It's fair. What holds it back I, from at least a nine?
0: Um I I mean, Scott, Scott, we've talked about this a lot and Joe, I think I've mentioned it when we're all on together, but I think continuity is a big thing for me. And you know, I I am like very much an album straight through kind of gal. Like I, I need to sit and listen to the album straight through. I don't know that it flows as perfectly as I would like. Okay. Um, but again, I I think each individual, each individual track is amazing and really great in its own way, but there are just a few things I think that are out of place for me personally. Mm -hmm, I think it could flow better if maybe things were rearranged, but, um, that's really the only thing I could say.
1: That would hold it back. Joe, how about you?
2: It's a tough question. I, I, think I would give it a nine. Mm-hmm. I don't even know. Mm-hmm. It's hard to explain, though, because if if you're talking about the three AM tracks, I don't even like all of them that much. So I don't know if it if it. I agree with the flow. Like, where do those tracks even come from, and where do they fit in? But even putting aside that one through thirteen, it's it's an excellent album. I absolutely love it. Is it a perfect album? For right. a 10 out of 10, I don't think so. I agree.
1: I was actually probably in agree- agreement with you, Joe. I, I was thinking nine because to me, a 10 out of 10 album, every single song has to be perfection. And I like every single song on the album, but I don't know right. if I put Maroon in that category. Uh, Labyrinth, you know, there's a couple of songs that I just don't love. And to yeah, me, just, for me to give it a 10, I gotta love every single song.
2: I mean, even just thinking offhand about other albums, I don't even know what would be a perfect album right now. Very hard. Like, I, it would take me another entire podcast to think about what. So, so it's
1: it's interesting because Scott I was already thinking,
0: knows my answer. Wait, what? Golden Hour. I oh, think. Oh, Golden it's a Hour, yes, album. of course.
1: Yes, Golden See, Hour. See, I don't
2: even I wouldn't even agree with that, although it's a great album and I like everything, but I don't think it's perfect.
0: It's I think it's perfect.
1: Now, I was thinking about Speak Now the other day, the album. And at first I thought, is that a perfect album? And then I realized it has a song that I really don't like. One of my least favorite Taylor songs is the song Innocent.
2: Yep. yep. It's not perfect. I mean, I it's not perfect. I, I, but yeah. I would
0: give Speak Now a nine,
2: 100%. Yeah. Speak Now is great. Can't I wait think for it's pretty certain. close
0: to perfect. I know.
2: It gets bumped up by a half point for one song so (laughs) yeah of course
1: now i taylor announced her tour it's called the eras tour it's a big deal she's going to be performing songs from all of her eras i believe 27 dates in the united states have been announced it's going to be a very hard to get ticket because she's playing less places at least as of now than she's previously played she's as big a star as she's ever been demand is going to be off the charts I don't have much else to say about that, but Joe, I would like you to share with Alex and our listeners what you shared with me. You have a theory about this tour, and I would like you to share it if you, if you would like.
2: Oh, my theory is that after this, this will be her, her farewell to concert tour. So I don't think she'll be performing after this. The way she has it set up with the eras, the pictures on the poster even of each era that she's been in. You know, aside from the fact that she would need to play six hours a night to get all those songs in, I just, I can easily see this being as her. You know, I don't want to say goodbye to touring forever, but these big, huge stadium tours that last forever. I, I, I just, I don't know. Like she, she's already said she doesn't want to tour a lot. Last time she tried to do this, she only had two concerts, one in the East Coast and one on the West Coast in the U.S. Anyway, for Loverfest, it didn't happen because of COVID, um, and now she's doing another, another stadium tour i i just i just don't i don't know i don't see her wanting to tour much after this if at all so i think this is more of a like goodbye with the eras and here's my whole career greatest hits tour that's it
1: that's
0: really interesting
1: can i share one thing before i want to hear your reaction to this but i want to share something that i thought about i was actually going to call you joe to share this thought with you i decided no this doesn't warrant a phone call but (laughs) so at first i was Respectful of that opinion, but I didn't think it was really going to be, okay? I thought it, that this wasn't going to be a farewell tour. And then I began to think that it would be, because everybody was speculating, is she going to tour on the Lover album here, Folklore, Evermore, Midnight's? I really expected a tour to be focused on that. To me, the Eras tour, like you just m- mentioned a moment ago, is very retrospective, all the way through to the beginning. And that, to me, signifies whether it's a farewell tour or a last tour for a while. I think the era's nature of it—it it has kind of a finality to it. So I am—I think you may be right.
2: Just if you think about it, it's you know, like I said, she tried to slow down on touring. She only wanted to do two big shows, and that was it—the last time. Her mom is sick. She's probably looking to get married or whatever she wants to do, even if not get married, you know, settle down or, or, or something, you know, either with her boyfriend or on her own. She has all these houses. I just she's 32. It's not, you know, it's she's been doing this for a long time. I And to call this the heiress tour and have. Again, I don't know how she's going to do it, but so many songs to go through now, 10 albums worth of material, which is are all fantastic. I just I don't know. That's what I think is going to happen. So I'm prepared to sell a kidney for this. <laughs>
0: uh me too
1: <laughs> alex what is your what is you, your reaction to what joe has just said on the stuff we love podcast
0: i could definitely see that being true um i could also see this being like the farewell to touring tour and then her doing kind of like a Bruce Springsteen vibe where he just toured straight albums because people now want to hear like Speak now, straight through, like fearless, straight through. you know what I mean? They just want to hear individual Taylor's version albums straight through. Um, I mean, maybe I'm speaking for myself here, but no, uh, I think I think if it was a farewell tour, it would be like that might be in the future. Like it would be just a big break for a little bit and then coming back and just doing straight albums. Um, I don't think she's gonna but retire. i but I could see it. I think she's right. still making yeah.
2: records, like the like the Beatles still so totally. stop touring and made records. Mm-hmm. i think that'll happen totally. i just i just don't know if she'll do a full-scale tour like this again
0: yeah i agree she's reached i mean i waited in that queue Good. for like three hours
2: me too just just she to register get for a pre-set. chance to buy tickets yeah. that's ridiculous i still haven't done like, it, it doesn't I matter been able... when
0: you enter
1: yeah i'm gonna I know, do it but tomorrow, you did
2: it too so
0: yeah
2: just do it scott but uh, yeah, what do you think about the routing you know she skipped miami There's no Mm -hmm. DC show. So everyone who lives in that entire area is going to try to go to Philadelphia or Carolina or something. It's just there's a lot of places that are skipped, which is very interesting. Only one night in San Francisco. You know, she's doing two stadium shows in most areas. Is is it going to be the same set list every night? I don't even know. Don't know. But here's the thing. Like, if she was going to go to DC, I
1: would have thought what she would have done is announce it. Take DC as example or Miami and then add a second show after the first one sells out. So I'm not sure they're gonna that she's going to add Miami, DC, Baltimore, some of the California cities she's not going to, et cetera, et cetera. Which it's also fun. hints at like a farewell tour and it shows demands can be off the charts. Yeah,
2: You're it right? might even be easier to go to Europe to see her there than it is to get tickets <laughs> Seriously.
0: here. Seriously. It may I'm be not cheaper joking. to fly to Europe. Maybe we and- should just do that.
2: I might I'm not into it. <laughs>
1: um now I think Joe, a moment ago, you mentioned the Beatles because, and that—that's what I was going to. That's what I was referencing earlier that I wanted to bring up because I'm trying to think where does Taylor rank in the world of music history? Okay, there's a guy named Nathan Hubbard. He hosts a very popular Taylor Swift podcast on the Ringer Network. Every single album, Taylor Swift, he does it with Nora Princiati. Great show, love it. And he was basically saying the only comparison that you can make to Taylor is Lennon-McCartney. And to me, ultimate Beatles fan, that makes sense. I'm not comparing their music. I still am a bigger Beatles fan than Taylor. But just in terms of how great songwriters they are and were and are and their impact on music in general and society, do you, we think she's one of the greatest artists of all time. But do you think society is now beginning to accept that?
2: I I don't see how you can argue that she's not one of the greatest artists of all time. I'm not saying she is the greatest. There's always going to be a debate between who's the best and, you know, whether it's the Beatles or the Rolling Stones or anybody, but how can you say she's not up there with the greats? You know, she has that she has 11 of the 13 top songs in the country at the same time right now. And that's just on one album. That's her 10th album, you know, 10 straight albums of quality material. You don't see that from anybody. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't see how you can argue otherwise. Alex
0: yeah I agree and it's interesting that you said that Joe because when I was looking on Spotify today it's very rare that you see a new record come out and all of the top songs on Spotify are from that record at least from what like the artists that I follow and that's when that's why like in my opening thoughts I said for somebody that has 10 studio albums it's just insane that she's still at this level and it's I mean it's obviously amazing Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know how people can argue that she's not one of the greats. I completely agree with you guys. I think she has changed pop music. I think she's changed so many genres and we don't even know it. Right. Like think about, I I remember like jamming out to Love Story on the bus in high school and I was like, oh, this country pop is so good. I like country music. I like country music. Like look where she is now. It's not, it's not even close to country. And then we had Folklore and Evermore and it was so different. Um, I just think she shaped a lot of different genres, and I don't know. Some people might not accept that, but well, I definitely
1: think she's one of the greats. Another thing with the Beatles comparison—that is legit. The Beatles started off with rock and roll, kind of basically updating a 1950s rock and roll sound, and they created the 60s rock sound. Then they went into folk rock, and then psychedelia, then kind of back to traditional rock. Well, Taylor started out country, created country pop, or I don't know if she created it, but it was a major player in that field. Pop music with 1989. You got the folklore Evermore sound. You got whatever the reputation, you know, um, Midnight Sound is that electronic sound. In other words, a willingness to experiment with different genres that you just don't see with other artists. I mean, everybody talked about Justin Timberlake's most recent album being a country-inspired album, and I could see that, but it's not a country album, right? Taylor truly sits down and makes albums that are a whole different sound. We don't, in other words, we don't know what she's going to do next. Just like the Beatles were pushing those boundaries. Same with a lot of the other great artists. And to me, that's why she's up there with the greatest of all time. You know, it's the willingness I to experiment. Agree
0: more.
2: I th- and I think Definitely. she could do an album of anything, right? She could release a rock album, like a real rock album, with yes. guitar solos and things like that tomorrow. And it, I would, fully expect to like 90 percent of the songs if if not all of them definitely
0: i think she's one of the artists that has just done it right like there are i have so much respect for her like pushing those boundaries especially now and in the last few years because i don't think you don't see that anymore you know like you you don't see your ariana grande changing to right Country pop from pop. You don't see her making an indie rock album. You don't see any of that anymore. And I, and I, it's no, obviously no fault to Ariana or any of the artists that don't do that. But, you know, I think that that's what, why I respect Taylor so much. And that's why she ranks so high. It's because she's willing to do it. And, you know, whether it's about money, whether it's not about money, it doesn't even matter at that point. It's just whatever she makes now is going to sell.
1: I think Taylor is probably the only, contemporary musical artist who, if they retired, let's say she retired today and said, I'm never making another album. She would deserve to get every lifetime achievement award in the arts Mm -hmm. legitimately deserve it. Mm -hmm. And actually has done more already to deserve it than a lot of people that are being honored now who are much older than her. I really believe that. Uh, I agree with that. Well, we all love Midnights, which I'm very happy about. I was so excited to do this episode and I'm glad we didn't do it right away because I think a lot of times people review an album like the night it comes out and it's not really a fair review because you got to let the album grow on you and listen to it. And we've now, it's been out for about two weeks. So I think we know it pretty well. Um, Anything you want to add about Taylor and Midnights?
2: I'll be listening to it all day tomorrow. Again, I'm sure. So.
0: Oh, me too
1: we're the reason for the streams. I am the
2: problem.
0: So um, it's it's me.
1: I want to ask one other music question of you, which is just tell our listeners one or two things you've been listening to besides Taylor. I know it's not much right now, but besides Taylor, what is something you've
2: been listening to? So Joe, we'll start with you. Uh, tough question because I've pretty much only been listening to Taylor. Um, I've recently been listening to a lot of jazz and blues. There's a group called the sacred souls I've been listening to, which is kind of like I don't even know how to describe them. Um, like a male vocal group um, who are getting pretty popular now. So I, I highly recommend their album that just came out, The Sacred Souls.
1: Great recommendation. Alex, how about you? Um,
0: I have two very different sides of the music spectrum. I've been listening to Rufus Soul. They just released a bunch of remixes that are really, really good. Um, and Maggie Rogers' new album, Surrender, is incredible.
1: Great recommendation. Good recommendation. So for my recommendation, I'll just say real quick, I've been listening to the Beatles Revolver box set. I am going to be doing an upcoming episode about it with Dan and Scott, so I'll save my thoughts for it then. But it is a great recommendation. And in fact, it came out the week after Midnight's, was made for two very exciting musical release weeks. And both are dominating the Amazon charts, Taylor and the Beatles, which fits perfectly into everything we were talking about a few minutes ago. Now, with that, unless you have anything to add, Joe and Alex, I'm going to take us uh, to a wrap-up stage where I'll tell our listeners where they can find us. Does that sound good? Go for it. Sounds good. Okay, so the Stuff We Love podcast. Our website is stuffwelovepodcast.podbean.com. You can find us on Instagram at stuffwelovepodcast.com. That's the name of our TikTok handle as well. We're on Twitter, Stuff We Love Pod. We have a Facebook page, YouTube channel. Uh, You could write to us, Stuff We Love Podcast, at gmail.com. Tell us what you think of Midnights. And if you haven't done so already, please subscribe to the podcast. We're on all platforms, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, Amazon. Anywhere where there are podcasts, there we are. So, Joe and Alex, this was fantastic. What a show. What what an amazing moment.
0: So much fun. Highly anticipated. I've been avoiding talking to you, Scott, for like a week now.
1: We yeah, yeah, if you texted me, I anything can't give my midnight, answers. Away. I would like give a response and say save it for the podcast. <laughs> save it for the podcast. Anyhow, this has been great. We'll go around the table one more time. I am Scott.
2: I'm Joe.
0: I'm Alex.
1: Take us home, Alex.
0: And this is the Stuff We Love podcast.